You are listening to Figuring Shit Out with Dr. Nikki Naradin, where you can finally get yourself out of that state of confusion. Confusion is the stealer of dreams and move into some clarity so that you can really like live your passion, your hope, your dream, anything you ever wanted. It's all possible. You could feel better really, really quickly. All right. Enjoy the episode. Hey, 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 big lifers, it's Dr. Nikki here, your purveyor of joy, bringing photons of sunshine into your life. I kind of like the word photons. It's it's that electromagnetic radiation that's put out into the world. And uh, and I like I like being that person. I like doing it. It makes me have a fun life. So welcome, welcome, welcome to Figuring Shit Out. And uh, I usually start off with the commitment. So, you know, really it is a commitment uh, about living, living the life that actually we all have been promised and that we could all create. And we definitely start creating here. So the commitment, and if you can, just write it down, keep it on you, repeat it with me, repeat it daily, close your eyes and use it as a mantra, whatever it is. Uh, it gets a little bit longer each time, uh, just because I think the truth about the universe and what it is that that the universe provides all people on some level, and I'm not saying that people's circumstances can't be different or difficult or whatever, but uh, but we still get to decide in our mind what we want to believe about ourselves and about the possibilities. And once we don't believe that anymore or don't think it's a possibility, then we kind of have already done the work of an oppressive society that uh, that we've we've created ourselves as small and discouraged and disappointed and as a victim of it. And like I said, I, I am generally a true believer in oppression and how it works in order to keep groups uh, as small as possible, we still get to be as big in our mind as we want to be. And that's already a contradiction to the oppressive society. Anyway, so it is, I joyfully promise from this moment on to never give up my dreams and goals. I choose to remember always that the whole world is mine to explore, and I need never be alone in figuring it out and making it just right. That I was born worthy and lovable without condition, and whatever brought me to this place is just the journey to my present and future self, and not the sum total of who I am or who I will become. Oh my God, I love that. I just love it. All right. And then after that, we've been going through A Course in Miracles. And the thing I love about A A Course in Miracles is it kind of dismantles the way in which we think and believe about the world. Uh, It's kind of amazing because if if you do know that all of your thoughts are thoughts that have been created and rehearsed from early on, whether it be from your family of origin, whether it be from society, your position in society, whatever it is, and they're not necessarily your own, you get to decide if you like the results of whatever you're thinking and your beliefs or not, or if you're going to figure out if you want to believe and think something different, an intentional belief. 
and one that you'll have to practice a lot because those beliefs that we hold so strong to have just been practiced so fully and beautifully that it's become the default belief. And I, I don't want us to have default beliefs that weren't necessarily ours if they're not serving us. If they are, great. But if they aren't, then this is the one place where you actually get to make a shift or a change. And we don't have very many places we can do that because we can't control other humans. Often we can't control the circumstances around us, even though we'd like to, and we think we can. And the only thing we get to control is what we decide to think on purpose and what we practice. So this is lesson 11 uh, in A Course in Miracles. And it's, says, oh, no, 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 wait. Yeah, lesson 11. Okay. And um, it says, my meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. And it's kind of the first idea in the reversal of the thinking of the world um, from the idea that the world is determining what we perceive as opposed to we get to perceive the world in the way that we want to or what makes sense for us. And you probably notice that all the time. Like there are, a, there's something going on and each person has a different thought about what's going on. So it it's not, it's not rigid. It's, it's, it is a flexible thing that all people can be thinking differently about. I mean, there are some things that might be agreed upon by most people, but you can never say 100% of the time that somebody will agree upon whatever it is that you're thinking or perceiving. Um, so it's it's the idea that introduces the concept that your thought determines the world you see. Uh, and in it lies the key to all forgiveness and all change, which is pretty damn hopeful and encouraging. I find. So the, the way you're going to do it is you're going to close your eyes. You're going to repeat that idea slowly. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. And then you're going to open it and you're going to look around and kind of ascribe that thought to the things that you see that you're thinking about. And um, I think the wonderful thing about that, and I'm going to shut off my, my, fan here just because it's causing some noise. Um, the wonderful thing about that is that um, is that you get to kind of shake it all up, even if you don't believe it. And sometimes we think that we have to believe something fully in order to do it, but I, I don't buy that. I, I, I'm like, I'm a bit of a fake it till you make it person. I, I don't have to necessarily believe something fully. And also I don't, I don't think that my beliefs are true sometimes about myself, definitely, about what I'm capable of, about what a big difference I make, whatever it is. So you might have this idea about yourself that's completely false. And uh, and it's, it's a really good time to do that. So um, I read a commentary about it that, that I liked a little bit. Um, and it said... That, I, that this person realized that what they based every perception on was kind of an ego-based perception. Uh, and it, it keeps you kind of attached to your physical reality about what's going on, or at least what you believe is going on. And then you get trapped in a roller coaster of emotions and events that could leave you exhausted and desperate and confused and frustrated. And, and that's, that's not a life you want. That is not a life you want. And 
things have been set up, especially in this society related to capitalism, to keep us in that state of desperate, confused, exhausted, frustrated, so that we continue to work the job we work to stay in that state, but also to buy things that will make us get out of that state, some kind of external lubricant that will make us feel better. And if we honestly know how to shift that ourselves, it doesn't benefit capitalism in any way. But I think it actually does. I think it benefits society in a tremendous way to keep us thinking well about ourselves, thinking well about the world, thinking well about the people around us, really trying to make things go better. And I think within that particular type of state, then you can make whatever money you want to make, that, that there's infinite possibilities about that, and that you'll have the level of confidence as well as the energy to give back whatever needs to be given back to society. And you will do what it is you're interested in doing. And everybody's interested in doing different things. So I have a whole idea about how to reinvent society that is different from capitalism. I know that capitalism is better than than other things that are going on, that's for sure. But I think what we're going to have to reimagine is going to have to be so different than what we already know. So yeah, it's, it's a little better, but it's not sustainable. And, uh, and, and there are clearly people that are not benefiting from it at all. All right. So speaking of that, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about manifesting. So right now I have, moved my parents uh, from upstate New York to Las Vegas. Um, some of it was for the weather. My mother has really bad COPD, uh, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's um, a combination of emphysema and asthma that she has, and she could barely walk at all. And the winter in New York is really bad. And my father has pretty significant Parkinson's disease, and he is mobily challenged to say the least. And the house they were living in was not an easy place for them to be. But but an even worse part was that they were isolated and alone there. They were bored and they were just waiting to die, that they thought that this was the last step of whatever was going on for them and that they were just going to die there. And one day I called my mother and she said, I'm just going to die of boredom. And for my mom, if you knew her, you would know that dying of boredom is probably the worst thing that could possibly happen. I, I think she'd rather die from jumping off of a plane than dying of boredom. And I was like, oh my God, we need to change this and change it quickly. And so I found a place in Las Vegas, and the reason why I chose Las Vegas, and I think you guys know this, is that we're poker players and that they used to winter in Las Vegas, and so they kind of know it. And it's a senior living residence that serves them three meals a day. Vegas doesn't have state taxes. Things are a bit cheaper here, and so it was fairly inexpensive for what it, it is and a lot of activities. But I had to figure out how to get them across the country, which was figured out. And part of whatever I've been figuring it out is is really like a manifesting process for me. So when I got here, I kind of saw all the 
you know, all the, the, the roadblocks or the obstacles to them being comfortable here, like where their bed was, you know, too low and my father wouldn't be able to get up and down from it, where there was no shower seat, where my mother couldn't actually walk from the building that they're in to the dining hall just because it was too far for her COPD and she couldn't catch her breath. And so I, I saw all those things and I wasn't sure how I was going to create a space that was going to be safe enough for them. Um, and so I'm, I'm just going to tell this one story about how I kind of manifested a scooter for my mom. So once she got here, I realized that she would not be able to easily go back and forth to the dining hall, even though the distance was probably short by most people's standards when you're dealing with such an incredibly intense respiratory issue and the level of anxiety that she feels related to it. I mean, not breathing kind of freaking sucks and is really, really terrifying, you know, that going there just became a hardship. And then she couldn't really enjoy the other activities that were happening in that room because any place she moved would bring up the anxiety about having to move. And then the shortness of breath would be there, but also get worse. And um, I was like, we are going to need a scooter. Now, scooters are really expensive. You know, those electric scooters, you know, I'm talking about the ones that look like wheelchairs, not like a, like a Vespa scooting around the city. But um, those scooters could be anywhere from, you know, $800 to $5,000, depending on if you've got the, you know, the race car of scooters or just the, you know, the regular Nissan Sentra of scooters. I, I don't know how to describe them or not, but but they're expensive. And my mother's a working class girl from the Bronx and spending that kind of money when she could still get to the dining hall was not something she would do. And so in my mind, I was manifesting this scooter. And I, we walked downstairs to the common room of their building and my father and the person who was helping him passed and didn't notice anything. And I was pushing my mother in a wheelchair because at that point she said, let me try the wheelchair and see if that's better. Now, nobody would be able to push them in this manual wheelchair that they had. And I was pushing her and I looked to the right and there was a scooter and the scooter said free on both sides, a card that said free. And the next card said I work or it works or whatever. I should have taken a picture of this. Now, nobody saw this except me. And I, I, I said to my mom, I was like, there is a scooter right next to us, right here that says free and it works. And she would not get on that scooter. She was like, no, that's not ours. Probably doesn't work. I mean, every excuse possible to not get on that scooter. I was like, I asked for a scooter and the scooter is here. Now, somebody probably needed to die in order to manifest the scooter. It's not that I willed anyone to, but whatever was going to happen was going to happen anyway, and we were going to benefit from the scooter. And so finally, I had to yell at my mom and say, get on the fucking scooter. Like, try the scooter out. And she got on the scooter and turned it on and the scooter worked it worked and she could drive it. And she's a person who loves to drive. And all of a sudden she had a huge smile on her face and she, with the scooter, got to the dining hall with no problem at all, happy as a lark, socializing with everybody. And then afterwards we could do a tour of that main building. Now, mind you, we've only been here for three days. So a lot has happened in these three days, a lot of acclimation and adaptation and what 
whatever else happened. Now, this is not the first time that I've manifested something like that. And when I talk about manifesting, I'm talking about there is a desire put out there and you put out a vibration and the universe is trying to help to figure out what might make sense. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen the way I want it. So I'm going to go through the five, or actually I wrote seven, seven steps to manifesting. I don't know. I just, I love kind of creating these how-to things just because I feel like everybody needs a little bit of a playbook. Like we're not given a playbook about how to have a joyous life or not. We're not given any ways in which to raise kids. Uh, We're not giving a way in which to conduct yourself in the world. I mean, everybody has their own ideas about how they do it based on their own shit or whatever's going on. But, But I don't know, like every time I think about something like that, I'm like, well, how did I do that? And how can I share that with other people? So these are the seven steps that I wrote about manifesting. Okay, so the first is you have to know what your desire is, and you've got to kind of put it out into the universe. You know, generally, the desire is one for the greater good, either for yourself, for someone else, or the world. Um, if, If you want to manifest a BMW, you'd have to figure out what the greater good is of that. And that's okay. I'm not saying you can't manifest the BMW, but maybe the manifestation is not about the BMW itself, but how do you create money or how do you create abundance or whatever it is? So it's not generally about that thing that you want to manifest. And then step number two is you have to align your vibration to it through the world in a very relaxed way, either by meditating or journaling or kind acts to yourself or others, you know, it's, um, there's a way in which you have to slow down your mind and then think about what you want so that you get the vibration of the manifestation desire, as opposed to the vibration of all the other shit that's bothering you throughout the day. You know, usually I'm doing this in the morning when I've got minimal amount of thoughts, or at least, you know, like, like the thoughts haven't taken on a life of their own, or they haven't snowballed, you know, into something where the inertia is just going to take it to wherever it is. Now, step number three is do not attach yourself to time for this manifestation. Now, I definitely needed that scooter fairly quickly, but I wasn't sure exactly when I was going to get it. You know, so what they say, and I don't know who said that, if you don't attach yourself to a time limitation, your desires come quickly. You know, and I think the reason is, is when there's a time constraint, we're usually acting out of urgency. We feel kind of desperate. It makes us do things that we wouldn't necessarily do. We act and look weird. And then we change the vibration of our manifestation. And then that's it. Now, vibration is such an interesting thing to say because, because I am, I'm a doctor and I am a scientist, you know, but I do believe in the physics of what a vibration is. Like, what is a thought? How do our cells move? How do our, how does our body, you know, function in a way where everything is functioning together? And those are all frequencies or vibrations. I'm also, you know, a practicing physician who's doing acupuncture. And I think about vibrations in that way, in terms of chi and energy channels and movement. So, so, so I, I really believe, you know, yet we don't know as much about it as we could in the vibration of whatever we put out in the world. And then you'll see people who are like, 
you know, acting in a certain way and you're like, oh my God, they're always attracting these particular people, you know, and that is the manifestation of whatever they're thinking is that they're looking for it. They've got the frequency of it and they are attracting it. So we do have responsibility for what kind of vibration we put out. The next step and step number four is you get to work on your early disappointments and discouragements that make us believe our desires are out of reach. And we will definitely not be manifesting if we believe our desires are out of reach. And I have tons of ways to work on that. But the the way that, you know, that you can work on it without like really triggering your early trauma, which I definitely don't want you to do, is just, you know, like think about your first thought of early discouragement, like, you know, wherever your mind takes you and your mind will go back, you know. And then what I usually say is, is go back as your present day self. And you have to, like, when I mean go back, it's like you're almost like, imagining yourself or envisioning the little you. So I'll envision the little Nikki and the big Nikki who knows that things are okay, who knows that she has control, who knows that she's not that little person anymore, kind of needing the help of other people. Well, go, just go back and keep her company with the discouragement. So, so the idea is just to keep her company with the thought that things are okay, that you've got to this point, that you have got this and I am keeping you company while you're there. And that's it. Because usually the shit that happened and the discouragement that happened, happened alone. All right. Step number five, if it's not manifested in the way we envision, then find the lesson we're supposed to learn in that process. So, you know, if the thing you're looking for is not there, then in terms of the journey, what are you supposed to learn and how are you supposed to pivot? So the idea is you either get the results you want or the lessons you need. Number six is make the journey fun and meaningful and as fun and meaningful as you possibly can because getting to whatever your manifestation is in your mind might somehow make you believe that you'll be happier then or things will be better then but then you'll generally just look for something else that's going to make you worried or scared i could see where my mother was worried somebody was going to take the scooter away from her now i am absolutely convinced that nobody will take the scooter and if they did they definitely needed it more and i would buy her a new one but whatever but the journey is the most important part. And then there's that whole kind of concept of arrival fantasy. Well, no, it's called arrival fallacy, but I call it the arrival fantasy, where you get the dopamine rush or the good feeling about what'll happen when you achieve that, but you don't really enjoy the journey of getting there. You think that it'll be better when you get there, but it's never better because you bring yourself with it. And if you haven't worked on like where your worries and fears make you think that you can't have what you want, you'll still believe you're going to lose it. All right. And number seven is rinse and repeat. Just keep doing it. Okay. Because eventually you will get there. Just keep doing it. And you don't have to truly believe. Just know that the law of the universe will somehow get you what you need the results you want or the lessons you need. And if you can shift and pivot whatever's going on in your mind, the likelihood of you getting there is much higher. All right. That's what I got for you today. Please like, rate, review, share, you know, just spread the joy and the photons of sunshine all around and make sure that you know that everybody around you can have the biggest life that they possibly can have. All right. I love you all and have a wonderful, wonderful week.
Hey, everybody, if you want to work with me and really figure shit out, get unstuck and off the emotional roller coaster and heading towards your passion, and I know you can, get in contact with me and let's work together. It'll be worth it worth it for the life of your dreams. Okay. You can get in touch with me at Nikki at drnikkinaridan.com. That's N-I-K-K-I at D-R-N-I-K-K-I-N-E-R-E-T-I-N.com. Take care. Love you guys.